0: Good evening. Welcome to Nighttime. I'm Dave Wager your host and for the next half hour I hope we can talk about things that are true, important things to ponder and think about. We live in such a crazy fast-paced world and I hope you find our time together is slower. It allows you to just ponder things in life. This program comes to you from the studios here at Silver Birch Ranch on the campus of the Nicolay Bible Institute. It also has a ministry called the Wolf River Refuge. I encourage you to check those ministries out, and if we can serve you, we'd love to be able to do that. I was reading some articles online, and I read something by a man named Dennis Prager, who is known for saying many conservative things, and I wanted to read it to you. Dennis Prager said this, America is the world's major exporter of destructive ideas. At the present time, China is the greatest threat to the world's stability. Russia is the world's premier aggressor nation, and Islamist groups are the primary exporters of terror or religious totalitarianism. And for the first time in history, America is the world's major exporter of destructive ideas. We are in the incredible position of being feared by many other relatively free societies. More than a few European countries actually reject America's current values, and their right to do so. The most obvious example of American decline is the perverse American doctrine surrounding transgender issues. The sex or gender of any individual is not a given fact. Men give birth. Men who say they are women may compete in women's sports and physicians in children's hospitals are right to surgically cut off the healthy breasts of young women and even girls who say they are boys. America's war on truth, science, and children has rendered America increasingly an outlier in the Western world. That comes from PJ Media. A quote by Dennis Prager. I do know that God created the world to be a very specific way. He created man and he created woman. And if you want to have a family, you have to have a man and a woman do that. That's the way God made it. In fact, God made things so simple that if we just would follow what he said, there'd be so many complications gone from our life. Children growing up today in our culture are hearing all kinds of news about things that are confusing. They don't know what gender people are, and there's more genders than even male and female, which is confusing to me, and I'm in my 60s. Before you know it, you have a whole generation of confused people. And if this is the route that the United States of America wants to go, then the rest of the world will look at us from a distance, perhaps feel sorry for us, perhaps laugh at us, I'm not sure what their response will be. But I feel sorry for the fact that we live in a country that is going godless and each man can do what's right in their own eyes. Whenever you live in a place where each person does what's right in their own eyes, you get into trouble. Tonight, I want to read Proverbs 14 and put it in some kind of context with what I just read about what Dennis Prager said. Proverbs 14 The wisest of women build her house, but folly with her own hands tears it down. Whoever walks in uprightness fears the Lord, but he who is devious in his ways despises him. By mouth of a fool comes the rod for his back, but the lips of the wise will preserve them. Where there are no oxen, the manger is clean, but abundant crops come by strength of the ox. A faithful witness does not lie, but a false witness breathes out lies. A scoffer seeks wisdom in vain, but knowledge is easy for a man of understanding. Leave the presence of a fool, for there you will not meet words of knowledge. The wisdom of the prudent is to discern his ways, but the folly of the fools is deceiving. Fools mock at the guilt offering, but the upright enjoy acceptance. The heart knows its own bitterness, and no stranger shares its joy. The house of the wicked will be destroyed, but the tent of the upright will flourish. There is a way that seems right to man, but in the end, its way to death. Even in laughter, the heart may ache, and the end of joy may be grief. The backslider, in heart, will be filled with the fruit of his ways, and the good man will be filled with the fruit of his ways. The simple believe everything, but the prudent give thought to his steps. One who is wise is cautious and turns away from evil, but a fool is reckless and careless. A man of quick temper acts foolishly, and a man of evil devices is hated. The simple inherit folly, but the prudent are crowned with knowledge. The evil bow down before the good, and the wicked at the gates of the righteous. The poor is disliked even by his neighbor, but the rich has many friends. Whoever despises his neighbor is a sinner, but blessed is he who is generous to the poor. Do they not go astray who devises evil? Those who devise good meet steadfast love and faithfulness. In all toil there is profit but mere talk tends only to poverty. The crown of the wise is their wealth, but the folly of fools brings folly. A truthful witness saves lives, but one who breathes out lies is deceitful. In the fear of the Lord one has strong confidence and his children will have a refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. In a multitude of people, is the glory of a king, but without people a prince is ruined. Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who is hasty temper exalts folly. A tranquil heart gives life to flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. Whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker, but he who is generous to the needy honors him. The wicked is overthrown through his evil doing, but the righteous finds refuge in his death. Wisdom rests in the heart of a man of understanding, but it makes itself known even in the midst of fools. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. A servant who deals wisely has a king's favor, but his wrath falls on the one who acts shamefully. Let me read verse 34 again. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. United States of America or any nation that begins to do what's right in their own eyes and begins to dismiss God from the lives of the people are going down a road that they're going to wish they never went down. The end of that road is destruction, and there's no possible way off it once you hit that point. There is no possible way for the United States to be the power of the world it should be unless we return to God, the God of our forefathers, the God of the scriptures, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And we begin to realign our lives in line with what God has said. We're not doing that now as a nation. That doesn't mean that those of us who are citizens here in the United States of America cannot do it. We can do it individually. But we as a nation need to have many, many people of our nation repent and begin to live as God has outlined in the scriptures so that once again, the majority that live in our country would represent who the real king of kings is. Then there's hope for a nation. But if we keep ignoring God, there's going to be more and more evil that take place. Those who ignore God, they begin to use The things that they should love and love the things that they should use. In other words, they begin to use people for their own benefit. And you can see that in culture, not just in the United States, but around the world where there's rampant pornography and and child selling for sexual pleasure to people all over the country and all over the world. You see, when you start using people rather than loving people, some of the most Terrible things begin to happen in a culture, and some unspeakable things begin to happen in individual lives because there is no right and wrong anymore. If you live in a society where each person does what's right in their own eyes, then they're not doing wrong when they hurt other people and use other people. God's Word gives us definitive right and wrong. We know that it's wrong to use other people. In fact, the Bible makes it clear, Jesus makes it clear, that the most important thing that you and I can do is love God, and that means obey God, and love one another. That means represent God to one another. And if we're doing that, we're not using other people, we're loving other people. We as a nation will be destroyed if we continue down the path where we ignore God. And it won't be an outside force that will destroy us. It will be because we've ignored God and the choices that we have made. We are at a decision point, perhaps now in this particular year, where we need to choose to listen to God. Or we will be a people who will be exhausted and hopeless and actually direct those who listen to us in the wrong way. This psalm has some very key verses in it that we can look at and talk about. Verse 12 says this, there is a way that seems right to man, but its end is the way to death. There is a way that seems right to man, but its end is the way actually to death. We need to understand that our understanding is limited. God's understanding is not limited, ours is. There are so many times where we want to understand God before we believe He's God, before we yield to Him. Well, He's way beyond our understanding, so that doesn't need to happen. There are ways that seem right to me. But that's because I have a thing called perspective. God doesn't have perspective. He only sees things in the absolute. He sees things the way they actually are. And we need to understand that when we go to them. I always have perspective. My name is Dave Wager. I was born in Chicago in 1956 in the Swedish Covenant Hospital. My parents loved me. My dad is a pastor. My mom is a pastor's wife, obviously, and they were married there my entire life and stayed married. And my mom never remarried when my dad died. I grew up in ministry and one day became somebody who worked in one of the ministries that my dad began. Now, I just gave you some of the perspective of Dave Wager, but my life is tainted by the things that I've gone through in life. Growing up in Chicago gave me many areas that I could look at and try and understand life through that either helped me understand life. Or hindered me. When I was a child I wanted to play baseball and I tried out for a baseball team that was a no-cut baseball team but I got cut from it. Yes I was that bad at baseball. Now as you go through life you begin to see that the experiences that you had also give you a perspective on life. Now my perspective is neither right or wrong it's just a perspective. I didn't have the choice on who I was going to be born to. One day I was born, and Joyce and Richard were my parents. That's all I know for sure. Now, if I would have had a choice, would would I have chosen them as my parents? At this stage in life, I would say yes, I would. I think they were fantastic parents. I see how God has used all of the things in my life to bring me to the point where I am today, where I understand the things I understand and live the way that I live. And I'm thankful for it. But that all has to do with perspective. As I speak, I understand that people are listening to this podcast all over the world. As you listen to it, no matter where you are, you have a different perspective on life than I do. As I look out the window of the studio I'm speaking from, the ground is full of snow. The trees are heavily laden with snow and ice. And I speak to you from the winter in a state called Wisconsin. I can't go out without a jacket and a hat and gloves. I'll get very cold, and the end of that won't be good. You see, I have a perspective. In every area of my life, there is perspective. When I open God's Word and I start to look for the principles that are in God's Word, His principles transcend my perspective. His principles are going to be true for you listening, no matter where you are in the world, and it's going to be true for me. So there are people who listen to this podcast who perhaps are in prison. There are people that are listening to this podcast perhaps that are in prison in other parts of the world. There are people who are government agencies that are listening to this podcast. There are probably people who are getting treatment for some, perhaps, chemotherapy for cancer that are listening. They have different perspectives. So I'm not sure who's actually listening to these words. I also know that if I'm going to be faithful, I need to use the Word of God to speak during these podcasts, and not just my own perspective. Now, my own perspective can give stories and illustrations that can demonstrate God's Word being true, but it's God's Word alone that is true, because God has no perspective. Here's what I know for sure. I know that no matter where you are in the world, if you're using people rather than loving people, you're wrong. You will hurt those people more than you will ever help them. If you're loving money and you adjust your life according to money, you're wrong. You're not going to want to do that or whatever else you might adjust your life to other than God. And we've talked about that in other nighttime episodes. You see, What goes on in God's Word is a very thin line of very simple truths that you and I can apply to our lives. And if we apply them, no matter what part of the world we're in, those things change our lives for the better. For example, there is a God, and I'm not him. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. No matter where you are in the world, you can understand what that means. And if you understand that and apply that, you live in a certain and a very peculiar way. And it's a good way that you live. We understand that all people in every age, in every part of the world are sinful. Every human being that has ever been born is born into sin. And that sin needs a payment. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. See, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And it doesn't matter where you are in the world. There is one God, and there is one way to be made right before God, and there is one way to enter God's family, and that's through Jesus Christ. You see, so the the line of truth is very simple. You might say, well, I have this perspective or that, or I grew up this way or believing that. It doesn't really matter. There's a very simple line of truth through the Bible. There's a God. He loves mankind. And if you've listened to me talk about his love, you'll understand why we have choice. I can choose to allow God to love me, or I can reject God's love. That is for me to do or not to do. There are ramifications that will happen there. However, if I begin to ignore God, then what's going to happen is I'm going to live my life outside the context of truth. It may be in the context of my perspective. It may be in the context of my opinions. But it still could be outside the context of truth. So I need to actually check out my perspectives against what God says in the Bible to make sure that my perspectives are not blinding me from truth. Now again, that's easier said than done. But that's not my job. That's the Holy Spirit's job to do as you read God's Word. I want to encourage everyone that's listening once again to actually read God's Word every year, to read it through cover to cover, to know what God's Word says. And as you read God's Word, just be silent and let God's Word permeate. Ask questions. For example, and when I read the 12th verse of this chapter where it says, There's a way that seems right to man, but its end is the way to death. It's good to pause there and think. Do I think of things that I think are right, but really they're not? What things in my perspective, or my bringing up, or what things in my culture are blocking me from knowing what the truth is? This could seem right to a government. You know, it could seem right that I agree with our government. Now, remember I said it could seem right that I agree with our government and think that transgender children should have surgery because it's a law, or or that our government comes up with laws that say, people of the same gender can marry and they should have equal status in the law as married couples, a husband and a wife that are male and female. Now, I could begin to say that I think I should abide by all those things, when in reality, I think God's Word teaches the opposite. So I think it's destructive. I think God's Word is very clear that marriage is between one man and one woman who commit themselves to each other for all of life. That's what God's Word says. That's what the family is. And since the family is such a critical part of God's plan, I see Satan trying to destroy that family over and over again any way he possibly can. But if God has already defined the family, Then we should live in the definition that he's given to us. If he's defined gender, and he has, Adam was created from the clay, the dirt of the ground, and God breathed into him the breath of life. Eve was created from Adam's rib. Yes, if A equals B and B equals C, A equals C, so I guess Eve came from clay as well. But in reality, What we need to understand is that we were created differently. Man was created first. Woman was taken from man's rib. And there is no possible way that somebody else could have that kind of intimate relationship with a man that a woman was created to have. That's a special relationship. And God says that that special relationship should never be uh, participated in apart from the commitment of marriage. And that's basically what is taught throughout all of Scripture. Whenever we see uh, people taking what God has said and twisting it and turning it according to their circumstances, we see the trouble that ensues with that. You see, there is a way that seems right to man, but its end is the way to death. And we need to look at our lives in context of that. So many times I have thought, well, I am not, this verse isn't about me. It's really not about me. I I don't live in a way that seems right to me, but I really do. I mean, there are some questions each of us can ask. Are, Are we people who are greedy? Well, my first answer would be no. But am I greedy? How would I know? What's the definition? What I want to do is go in the scriptures and see what it is. See, I, I can answer and give you a reason why I do what I do, and I think I'm doing what I should do the way I should do it, so I'm not even going to challenge it anymore. Perhaps as I read the Bible through, though, God will have me challenge what I believe. Let's take a simple story like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel chapter 3. Here's three young men who are told to bow before the statue of a king when the music plays, and they refuse to do it. Nebuchadnezzar the king was a very powerful person. In fact, the most powerful person in the world at that time. And having somebody defy his order was not something he was pleased with. In fact, he warned, if you don't do what I tell you, you're going to burn to death in a furnace. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they stayed faithful to God. They knew God's word was simple. God's word said that you shouldn't bow to any other god. See, that's a simple phrase. That isn't hard to grab. Now, they may not understand everything about that statement. They may not understand everything that God meant by it. But they did understand that it was very simple to understand. We know what it means not to bow to any other god. And what Nebuchadnezzar was asking was, I want you to worship me. And the Bible was clear and God was clear. You don't worship anyone but God. Now, I am sure that there were other people in the crowd that day that were God followers or said they were God followers who understood that they shouldn't bow. But they did something where they either fake bowed or sort of bowed or almost bowed or who knows what they did. But when the music played, there were only three that stood tall. It wasn't that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were rebels either. They showed great respect for the king. But they understood the simple, the simple phrase of having no other gods before God, not bowing to another god, not worshiping another. They understood that. Now, here's what they didn't understand. They didn't understand how God was going to work this out long term in the nation. They didn't understand how God would take care of them or if he would take them home from dying in that fire. They didn't understand what kind of pain was either ahead for them or behind them or whatever else it might be. There's a lot they didn't understand, but the simplicity of the scriptures, they did. And again, I want to suggest as you read God's word, the simplicity of the scripture is what you need to apply. They knew that bowing before Nebuchadnezzar would be wrong. So when the music played, while others might have been bending over, making it look like they were bowing while they were really fixing their sandals or itching their toes or sneezing or something, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood tall. And when the king confronted them, they were respectful and said, King, you can do whatever you want. But, you know, this very simple thing in the Bible about not bowing is something we actually understand. It's not how they said it. That's my interpretation. They didn't bow. The king was furious because there were so many there that were watching so many that his pride was hurt. He had the fire made even hotter and threw him in. And when they got thrown in that furnace, the loser was Nebuchadnezzar and the people who threw him in, but not Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You see, this simple understanding of truth is what they applied. They listened to what God said even though it was inconvenient, even though it meant they would die, even though they might have tried to compromise in their minds about, we're in a very prestigious position in this kingdom, and we can have great influence over it for many years. Why would God kill us? You see that verse 12? There's a way that seems right to man, but its end is the way to death. A way that seemed right to man would have probably been to try and compromise and bowing somehow but not really bowing, so God would really know but the king wouldn't? I think that's where my mind would have been racing. But not Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They didn't bow, they didn't lose respect. They didn't expect Nebuchadnezzar, a godless king, to act like he was godly, so this didn't surprise them. And the most important thing is they followed the very simple that God gave them. I want to encourage you follow the simple. Understand there is a God. Live in the context of God creating you in your mother's womb for a purpose. Accept the love of God through Jesus Christ. Listen to what God says. And if you don't understand God completely, join the club. Because God is going to be beyond your understanding because he's God. But the most important things that you and I need to understand about God, we're going to understand about God because He made it so that we could. So that's an important thing for you and I to grasp. God loves you. You need to act like He loves you, He'll take care of you. You need to act like He'll take care of you. And as you go on through life, you begin to realize God is your refuge. And no matter what goes on in life, He's worthy of your trust. Well, there's our music, so that's the end of our time together tonight. I thank you for listening tonight, Time, and if you ever want to support this work, you're certainly welcome to do that. But I never want you to think that I want you to listen so you support us. I want you to be part of the family of God and listen to the very simple things in Scripture. And together we can see God do the impossible. Once again, I'm Dave Wager here in the studios at Silver Birch Ranch on the campus of the Nicolet Bible Institute. Good night for now.